Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. Good morning, church. It's such an honor to be here with you this morning. If I haven't had the opportunity to meet you, I know we have so many people that have joined recently, Milestone, that are journeying with us. Um, I'm not new. I've been here for a while. My, in fact, my wife and I are sitting on the front row here. Uh, we were part of the original 32 people who planted Milestone Church. And so for the last almost 19 years, we've had a front row seat to what God has done in the life of this church. And it's just been awesome and humbling to see. And for 16 of those years, I was the student pastor. So Elevate is something that we, we built and, and uh, it was such an incredible season. Uh, remember with two students and then up to about a thousand students when we turned it over and it's just awesome to see what, what God has done there. And uh, now for the last couple years, uh, my role on the team is simply, I get the opportunity as the next gen pastor to really coach and encourage all of our next-gen leaders who put on everything from, from the babies in the back to, to the preschool, the, the elementary, the middle school, high school. I get to coach them. And I don't know about you, but I, I'm, I'm partial. But I think that we have some of the best next-gen leaders on the planet. So let's give them a hand. They do such a tremendous job. I want to take this time to welcome all of you who are watching online, whether you tuned in live this morning or whether you're watching this at a later date. Let's go ahead and welcome all of those who are watching online. We're so glad that you're here. And we believe that this message is going to speak to you. We're in a series called Summer at Milestone, and it's really built around this word that we've grabbed a hold of for this past year, and it's the word grow. And when I started praying about uh, this weekend and what I would preach about, what could I, I, I teach or bring that would maybe encourage you or help you in your walk with God, help you grow? It really was, was not very difficult for me to figure out what I wanted to preach on because if I had the opportunity to sit down with each and every one of you, which obviously we practically are not able to do that, but if I could do that, this would be the one thing that I would probably sit down and talk to every single person about. This, I believe, outside of salvation is the greatest thing to catapult you in your walk with God that will help you grow. This has really been something that I've grabbed the hold of for my own life personally, and I've seen the results and the fruit of that. You know, this morning, if I was to, to just take a quick poll, and let's say, you know, we'd get the ushers and we'd pass some paper down the aisles, and I would say, here's, here's what I want you to do. I want you to write down what you believe and your own opinion would be the reason why Jesus came to the earth. We'd probably get several different you know, things written down, but there'd probably be two that would stick out above all else. The first one, probably the most popular one, would be that Jesus came to die on a cross and to deal with sin. And the answer would be, you're correct, that's right, but it's incomplete. The second answer might be that he came not just to save us uh, from our sins, but he came to save us from a place called hell. And I would say, you're, you're right again. But that too is, is incomplete. Because you see, Jesus came and he died on a cross and he dealt with sin because sin was in the way between a holy God and man. So he had to deal with sin. But that wasn't the sole reason why he came. The Bible says that he came to give us eternal 
life. In fact, in John 3, 16, Jesus says this. He says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have what? Eternal life. And then Jesus defines what eternal life is in John 17. He says, After this, Jesus looked towards heaven and he prayed and he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all the people that he might give eternal life to those you have given to him. And now he defines it. Now this is eternal life, that they might know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you sent. See, eternal life is not length of days. Eternal life is not what happens when you die and you go and spend uh, eternity somewhere in a place called heaven or hell. Eternal life is to know God and to know the one he sent, Jesus. Eternal life starts today. And I'm amazed by how many people have come to a moment where they, they understand that they need a savior. They understand that, man, they, they need to be forgiven of their sins and that Jesus came and he, and he paid the ultimate price. That he did what none of us could do and he dealt with sin once and for all. And so we say a prayer, we mean it in our hearts and we ask Jesus to come into our lives. And it's real and it's personal. But something happens right, off of, right after that is we turn into the parking lot of religion and we park our cars. Because in our Western mindset, we're really good at religion and we're terrible at relationship. We understand as Western people the concept of I should go to church, I should probably read my Bible, I should pray, I should do all these things, but those are just religious activities. Jesus is offering something so much bigger, so much better, so much grander and salvation it's not the end all to be all, it's the starting point to your walk with Christ. It's the very beginning. In 1992, McDonald's did something that changed the fast food industry game forever. In fact, they took something that was already good and they did something and made it even better. They gave the option to supersize your meal. Not only would you have that, whatever the hamburger is of your choice, but you could supersize your fries and your drink. You could get more of those delicious, come on somebody, McDonald's fries. I might just preach on that for a minute, you know what I'm saying? In and out needs to take a hint from McDonald's on the fries. But anyway, <laughs> it took something good and, and they made it better. And in John chapter 15, where we're about to go, is... Jesus comes out of the upper room having the last supper with his disciples. And it was more than just some crackers and some juices. We all think it was a full meal. It was about three, three and a half hours celebrating the Passover. And John 14, at the end of John 14, Jesus says, let's rise and leave. And somewhere between them walking out of that upper room, having a meal together, and where Jesus would be betrayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, he has this conversation with his disciples that I'm gonna to talk to you about. And I, I believe in that moment, what Jesus was doing was he was giving them the opportunity to supersize their faith. He was giving them the opportunity to take what was already good 
and now turn it into something great. God wants to supersize your life. He doesn't want you to get stuck in religious duties and religious things. He wants you to have what Jesus described in John 10.10 is a life that is to the full or a life that is more than enough. So we're going to pick up the story in John chapter 15. We're going to start in verse 1. Verse 1 says this. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser or the, the caretaker of the vineyard. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, which means to, to cleanse or to wash. I know we think about cutting a lot of times, but the word really means to wash or to cleanse. That it might bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse 5. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they're gathered and they throw them into the fire and they're burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you desire and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and you will be my disciples. Or some translations say prove to be my disciples. If I would continue reading the rest of this chapter, you would see that at 10 times in 17 verses, John uses this word abide. And the word abide is the Greek word meno, which means to, to stay or to remain or to hang out. It's John's word for intimacy. You see it in, 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 the, in the Gospel of John. You see it in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. It's, it's the word that's used to describe an intimate relationship between a husband and a wife. And so Jesus says, if you abide in me and I abide in you, you will get to know me beyond just a religious surface kind of interaction. You will have an intimate relationship with my father and with me and we will reveal ourselves to you. That is what God intended all along, is for us to have an intimate personal relationship with Jesus. I like to say it this way, if you want to be like Jesus, you have to hang out with Jesus. You gotta hang out with Jesus, why? Because the more that I spend time with Jesus, the more my character is, is transformed, the more that I, again, I, I, I can give off the, the, the attributes of God, we are imperfect, we're not God, but we are the hands and feet of Christ in the earth. The Apostle Paul says it like this, it's Christ in you and Christ in me is the hope of glory. So Jesus says this, he says, I'm the vine. In other words, I am the source. And he says, you're the branches. So if you've ever thought real highly of yourself, Jesus calls you a branch. We're just a bunch of branches. But if we're connected to the vine, something supernatural happens. Is we are connected to a source that is supernatural and it produces supernatural fruit in our lives. So the vine is the source, the branch is the expression of 
the vine's goodness and love in the world which desperately needs God's love. When we abide in Christ and he abides in us, we, we naturally begin to bear some fruit. I think there's two themes when I look at John 15 that just, boom, they jump off the page to me. The first theme is, is this invitation or this call to abide. It's, it's, it's all over in this book. He repeats himself over and over. I want you to remain. I want you to stay. I want you to hang out. Don't worship me from a distance. Don't just do a bunch of religious church activity. Look, we have a lot of steps around here at Milestone Church, and you should take every single one of them. You should get in, in the growth track. You should go through 101, 201, 301. You should get in a small group. You should do freedom. You should do all that stuff. But let me just tell you this, if you do all that stuff, but you are not connected to Jesus himself, all you have is religion. You will not be able to bear eternal fruit. Those things will help you grow, but you gotta come to the source himself, and that's Jesus. So it's the call to abide. It's an invitation. It's, it's not, the, the, the abiding life is not a call to salvation. It's a, it's a call to productivity as a believer. The second call is, is, or the theme is God's desire for fruit. I want you to think about it this way. Imagine the earth being God's vineyard, right? And we're working that vineyard, okay? Through, through the Holy Spirit and what God's doing in the earth through his church, not this church, but the church at large. He is the ultimate steward and he's coming back for what? He's coming back for fruit. And where is he gonna find fruit? He's gonna find it hanging off of our lives. That's what he does, he uses people. And so how do I know if I'm bearing fruit? Well, if you look back, can you see other people's lives that have been affected because of your life? Does anybody want what you have? If anybody wants what you have, then maybe you're bearing fruit. And I know we like to talk about two different types of fruit, internal fruit, which is the fruit of the Spirit. That's great, and that's the sign of maturity. That's love, that's joy, that's peace, that's patience. Yes, we wanna grow in that, but I think it's a lot of times as Christians, we use that as a cop-out, why we don't have external fruit as well. It's both, it's internal fruit and it's external fruit. Here, here's, here's what I want you to think about this for a second. Bearing fruit isn't forced, it's natural. Have you ever, have you ever walked around a fruit tree and heard it straining to bear fruit? No. What happens? You just kind of, the fruit just kind of hangs out and all of a sudden, boop, fruit. If you and I will just hang out with Jesus, if you and I will just spend time abiding in the relationship that he has offered us, you won't have to strain. You won't have to force anything. You don't have to stop this and start that and do this and do that. We gotta be careful about forcing fruit on people. What we should do is instead of uh, telling people to stop doing this and start doing that, what we should encourage people to do is walk in the abiding life, the love and the grace and the peace and the forgiveness of our Lord and Savior Jesus. And if you hang out with them long enough, boop, fruit is gonna show up in your life. It's a natural process of being with God. How do we bear fruit? If eternal life is not length of days, it's not a destination, it's to know God. And if the abiding life is the process by which I walk in that, what 
does that exactly look like? I'm going to get very practical and then I want to pray for you. Number one, how do we abide? Well, number one, you've got to create space. You got to create space. And all of us in this room and those of you watching online, including myself, we're all very guilty of filling our lives with all kinds of stuff. And if you look up, you, you don't really have a lot of free space in your life. You don't really have just, you know, crazy margin amount of time just to go and sit and be quiet and listen to God. Most of us are busy. We're doing stuff and we're running here, we're running there. It's the, it's the fast pace of the area that we live and it's the fast pace of our world today and it's just, it is what it is, right? But here's what I know to be true. Whatever space you give God, he will fill it. Whenever you give God space, it's a principle throughout the scripture. God will show up and he will fill that space. You want more of God? You want more encounters with God? You want a greater experience with God? Give God a greater space in your life. Most of us are guilty even when we do have downtime. It's sitting in front of uh, a screen. It's with a device in our hand. And we think, man, I don't really have time to spend with time with God. Well, no, we actually have time. It's really a value choice. Whatever you value in life, you make happen, don't you? I know I do. If I value something, I don't care if it's two o'clock in the morning, it will happen. I'm going to make sure that like whatever it is that I wanna do, I'm gonna get to do, you know what I'm saying? And when I was single, I did whatever I wanted to do. Then you get married, and all of a sudden you can't do that anymore. And then you have kids and you have no free time. So you gotta do stuff at two in the morning, right? So you've gotta like give God space. There's, there's two types of people that I've found. One, people that are mechanical. Two, people that are feel-oriented, right? So if there's any golfers in the room, you kinda understand what I'm talking about because in your golf game, you're mechanical. You're mechanical people, you're always fidgeting with your swing. You're always watching YouTube videos, man, all the time, working on this, working on that. By the time you get to the tee box, you gotta, okay, I gotta put my feet here, uh, I gotta do this on my shoulder. I mean, also, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm exhausted just thinking about it. I, I, I can't do, I, I'm like a feel kind of person. If I can feel it, oh man, I can repeat it. I can repeat it. The problem is if I lose it, it's hard, hard to find. Until <laughs> the time next time it comes around, I was like, oh, I, I got it. I hit a good shot. You know? When it comes to spending time with God, there's people who are mechanical and there are people who are feel-oriented. Mechanical people, you're the type of person that it's the same time every day. It's the same place every day. You got your devotional. You got your journal. You got your nice cup of coffee with or without cream, you know what I'm saying? You got the, the deal and you do the same thing every day and that's awesome and that's great. My prayer for you is because is, you're such a disciplined person and I would love to be like you. I pray that that discipline would turn into desire. Not just the discipline of I need to do this and it's a religious thing, but the desire to go, oh my God, I can't wait to do it again because the benefits and, and, and just I'm hearing God and I'm growing. Like me, man, I, I, I tried to do like the one-year Bible. You know, New Testament, Old Testament, Psalms, Proverbs. And I mean, it's like five, six chapters a day you gotta read. And all of a sudden, man, I'm starting reading and all of a sudden, like, like, you know, within the first chapter, within the first seven verses, God is speaking to me. And I'm like, Lord, would you be quiet? I'm trying to read your word here. I got five more chapters to go. I, just, I can't do it. It just frustrates me, you know what I'm saying? So like, this is what it looks like for me practically, even last night. 
Late nights, I'm in my garage with a big old Home Depot fan on right now because it's really hot, and I got headphones on, and I got worship music, and I'm worshiping God, and I'm working out at the same time. It just works for me. It feels good to me. It's fluid in my life, and, it's, and for me, it's not just a, a time thing because when my feet hit the ground first thing in the morning, I'm talking to God. I'm having a conversation with Jesus. And when my, be- my head hits the pillow at night when I'm laying on my bed, I'm talking to Jesus every single day. When I'm driving in my vehicle, I'm talking to God. When I'm walking down the hall, I'm talking to God. Because Not because I'm like some great Christian. I realize that he is my source. I realize I have to stay connected to the vine because if Tyron is not connected to the source, bad fruit starts appearing in my life. I need to be connected to Jesus. Second thing we gotta do is you gotta start the conversation. You gotta start the conversation. I'd love to tell you that like, when I gave my life to Jesus at 19 years old, suicidal, tried to end my life one night, and he showed up, presence of God showed up in my room, and about five to seven days later, I counted the cost of what really happened. In that moment, I realized that it wasn't about religion. It wasn't about a bunch of do's and don'ts. That's what I thought it was. It wasn't about a transactional relationship. It wasn't about performance. It was about God loved me despite the dysfunction and the darkness in my life. And when I didn't even love myself, he, he wanted a relationship with me. And I was just blown away by that. And so that initially led to me giving my life to Jesus. But when I started spending time with him because I wanted to get to know him, and I needed to know who I was, and I figured if I would spend time with him, he would tell me who I was, and so I'm spending time with God. I'd love to tell you that it was always smooth, and it was great, and I had a great conversation with God. But like after thanking him for my day, and after like thanking him for salvation, and telling him I love him, like what else are you supposed to say? I would set these goals, like I'm gonna pray for like, you know, 30 minutes. Oh man, I just wanna make it five minutes, I don't even know what to say. And all of a sudden, the time started getting longer and longer and longer, and hours would go by, and I would spend time with God. But early on, those conversations were a little bit like this. Lord, I love you. But this is weird. I don't know what to say. What am I supposed to say to God? I mean, like, I, I mean thank you for, for saving me, and thank you for loving me, but I don't even know who you are. So God, I'm just gonna sit here and I'm just gonna pray that you speak to me. So Lord, would you speak to me? 30 minutes later, nothing. I'd walk out of the room frustrated. I'm thinking, well, man, all these people talk about hearing God and I'm sitting here, God's playing a joke on me. You know, he's just sitting there and you know, just laughing. But I kept doing it over and over and over again. Because you're starting a relationship, not with some just kind of like idea. You're starting a relationship with a person, and you got to get to know them. And so after you have the initial conversation, you run out of things to say. you got to learn how to navigate those things. So maybe you're here today, and you've never really prayed, and you've never really like spent time alone with God. Let me just encourage you, start the conversation. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. So thank him. Thank him for for life. Thank him for for breath in your lungs. Thank him for sparing you. Thank him, you know, for your health. Thank him for whatever. Thank him for the cross. And then move in a little deeper and say, Lord, I I know that you want to speak to me. So God, would you speak to me? Help me to hear you. 
And Holy Spirit, I want to get to know you because I know that you're here with me. And I, I just want to encourage you, as you do that consistently, God's going to show up and God's going to start speaking back to you. The, the next thing is, I would say, is engage spiritual disciplines. Engage spiritual disciplines. Now, I know, like, for a lot of you right off the bat, you think, okay, he just talked about being a field person, and then now, you know, you want to get all mechanical on us. And so, I think what happens a lot of times is we really don't understand the benefit of spiritual disciplines. We know we need to do them, but we really don't understand, like, what we're going to get out of it. Like the first one. The first spiritual discipline is, is, is there's, there's many of them, but I'm going to give you four real quick. But the first one is, is scripture reading, is reading the Bible. Okay. We all know that we need to read the Bible, right? We all know that it's God's word. And so we read it, but if you're like me, when I first started reading the Bible, or many of you here, you read it, and then you close the book, and you don't even really realize what you read. You don't, you're like, what did I get out of that? I don't know. I mean, did, did it help me? Like, did God speak to me? I don't know. And then, especially when you're getting all these genealogies with all the names and stuff, and you're like, oh, I'll just skip over that, you know? And then you feel a little conviction, like, what? Uh, you know, you don't want, okay, Lord, it's your word. And so I'm like, just speed read through that section, you know? But what I began to understand a long time ago was that God's word is more than just a historical account of what happened. That the Bible is alive, it's active, and that it's powerful. Remember in verse two when I said in John 15 that any branch that bears fruit, he prunes, and that word prunes is to wash or to clean so that it bears more fruit, right? And then you remember right after that when Jesus said, you are already clean because of the words that I've spoken to you. I want you to catch this. Whenever you and I read the word of God, there's two ways, okay, in life that God prunes us. The, one of the ways God prunes us is through trials, okay? Consider it pure joy, you know, da-da-da-da. It's like, I don't like that way, Lord. I just want to walk in obedience. Like, forget that stuff. The other way is the word of God. The word of God has the power to wash and to cleanse. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Or your mind. Be, be washed by the word. And so when you read the word of God, it's washing and it's cleansing and it's pruning. It's also the double-edged sword. And it is able to cut off things of your life. We also learned earlier this year that the word of God is what? It's a seed. When I read the word of God, that seed goes deep into my heart and it produces fruit. So let me just help you something that just really helped me and revolutionized my walk with God a long time ago. Anytime before I open the Bible, I pray, God, I pray that you would speak to me through your word. Give me eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to understand and let your word change my life. Amen. A very simple prayer. But what am I doing? I'm posturing myself because I know it's not just words on a page. I know it's spiritual. I know it's a seed. I know it's going to wash me. I know it's going to prune me. And it's God's primary way of speaking to us as a believer. It's not the only way, but it is the number one way that God speaks to us as Christians. And if we're not in the Bible, it's really hard to hear hear his voice. When your Bible's closed, it's like, hmm. When it's open, it's like, oh, closed. Oh. You know what I'm saying? God speaks to you through the word primary. He also speaks to you through visions and dreams. He speaks to you through messages, through people, through circumstances. That's usually the one you don't want him to speak to you through. But anyway, it's like, it's always better just to like, okay, God, you said it. I'm just going to walk in obedience. The word of God is spiritual. Second discipline is prayer. What is prayer? I, I used to struggle. Do I pray like in King James? Thou, O oh Lord, thou art so great in all of the earth. 
Like, that's weird. First Bible I ever, I ever, ever got was a Bible, man. It was like Crocodile, Crocodile Dundee, man. I was like, that's a knife. No, that's a, this thing was like huge. Somebody gave it to me. And it was King James Version, man. I didn't even know that there were different translations. And I was like, this is Shakespeare, man. Like, I, 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 I wasn't good in English class, you know what I'm saying? This Cajun boy from South Louisiana, and I'm like, thee and thou. And I'm like, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, NIV. It's like, <laughs> what's NIV? NIV? revolutionized my life. <laughs> Prayer is essentially just talking to God. It's having a conversation with God. That's the abiding life. It's, it's starting a conversation, a dialogue with God and not stopping it, just continuing it throughout your life. And, and if God's not saying anything to you, then you just worship him, man. Just worship him. Just have a grateful heart, a heart of gratitude and watch what God would do. The, the next one is worship. And a lot of us, we think worship is what we just did on the stage here. You know, we just sang and all that. that. That is worship. But the greatest definition of worship that I've ever heard was the definition I heard almost 20 years ago. And it says this. Worship is my heart's response to who God is. Worship is a lifestyle of obedience. When I obey God, that shows God that I love him and it's worship to him. When I do the right thing, that's worship to God. When my yes is a yes and my no is a no, that is worship to God. When I live my life to glorify him more than just the songs I sing, that is worship to God. And then serving is a great spiritual discipline that we should all practice. Why? Because serving is the antidote to selfishness. I remember like it was yesterday. I was in a funk. Anybody ever gotten a funk before? You know what I'm saying? I was in a funk. I was in a bad spot. I was complaining. My wife was like, you need to go. I mean, she just looked at me and she's like, either you need to go work out or like, when was the last time you did something for somebody else? I was like, snap. <laughs> she said, the reason I say that is because like when I just get focused on myself, I get in a bad place. Whenever I do something for someone else, all of a sudden, man, I, I just have joy and peace. Why does God want us to serve? Get rid of selfishness in our life, okay? Last one is this, give the Holy Spirit access. Now this is something that I'm personally working on very intentionally in my life in this season. And um, you know, my wife and I just got back an early anniversary celebrating 23 years and we, we love to hike and, and she got me into it. I like to think I got into it, but she really got me into it, you know? And um, I'm just kind of like, if I like something, I take it to the next level, you know what I'm saying? So now we go to, it's to the point to where she's almost like, I don't want to do all that. I just want to do a nice leisurely hike and like see something and go eat somewhere nice. And I'm like, no, man, it's going to be awesome, you know. I won't tell you about the bear encounter we had just the other day, 15 yards away, jumped out. That's another sermon. But anyway, so um, I'm trying to stay married, so I'm not going to get into it. But um, <laughs> as we're driving to the airport, my, my daughter's taking us and. And uh, they're, they're talking, and I'm, I'm, man, I'm, I'm just talking to God. My lips are moving. I'm just, she's like, who, who are you talking to? I'm like, Jesus? <laughs> talking to Jesus. She's like, okay, okay, cool. She's like, well, what you, what you praying about? I was like, well, you know, I just, I'm, I got to thinking, you know. Um, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us, technically, right? She's like, yeah, Jesus is in heaven. He ascended, He's, but he is coming back. I said, yeah. I said, so the Holy Spirit lives in me, right? Most of the time, yes. I said, okay, well. 
The Holy Spirit lives in you. She's like, all the time, he's always with me. I said, so if the Holy Spirit most of the time is with me and all the time is with you, then I guess he's going to Oregon and Washington with us, right? She just started laughing. I said, so I'm just inviting him on the journey and I'm just praying that God would use me. Maybe there's somebody I need to encourage or whatever. And she's like, you crazy. It's the abiding life, honey. It's just the way I like to live. <laughs> Soon enough, we get to Dallas-Fort Worth and we get on our plane and I'm, I'm, more, I'm more of a window seat guy. I, I know the true warriors out there. You know, you want to be in the aisle, so if action goes down, you could jump. I like to think that's where I want to be, but I really want to just lay down and just kind of, you know, don't want nobody messing with me. And so, you know, I, I you know, the aisle seat and, 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 you know, or the middle seat and then the window seat and, and husband and wife, you know, you got that one and that's the one you want, but you want to be a good husband. So you're like, hey, honey, will you take this? You know what I'm saying? So I'm sitting in the middle with some dude I don't even know. And I'm like, okay, Lord, you're with me. And I meet this guy named Dan. And me and Dan start to talking. I asked Dan, I said, Dan, so you from here or where you, you know, he's like, no, I'm from Portland. And I'm like, so what are you, what are you doing here? He's like, well, I was in Cedar Hills visiting my family. I was like, oh, okay, you know, just, yeah, just, he's like, no, I, uh, I just got diagnosed with uh, terminal brain cancer. I only have three months to live. I came, I came to say goodbye to my mom and my dad. like, all right, God. Dan grew up Catholic, loves Jesus, believes in God. We got to talk about eternal life. We got to talk about God's goodness. And I was like, wow, man. I can't imagine if you had a prognosis where you were told you were only gonna be alive for three months, how different would your life be? How different would you live your life. He's got a wife and two girls, maybe watching online right now. And uh, he's saved, so I didn't have to share the gospel with him, but I did get to encourage him. And I said, Dan, I'm, I'm believing that God's not gonna give you three months. And I'm believing that God's not gonna give you three years. I'm believing God's gonna give you another 30 years so that you can watch your daughters grow up and you can give them away in marriage. He's like, I'm believing for that too. We prayed together and man, all throughout the trip, we exchanged numbers and we're just, I'm just texting them and encouraging them. That's the abiding life. I mean, imagine for a moment if like, your best friend was with you everywhere you went, but you never acknowledged him. You never acknowledged her. You never invited him or her into the conversation. You never asked them for advice. You never asked them what they thought. That's what the Holy Spirit feels like. One thing I know is that the Father always validates the Son. This is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. And Jesus, he's always validating the Father, but he's always validating the Holy Spirit. It's better for you that I go because he needs to come. He's gonna live in you. He's gonna be with you. He's gonna lead you and guide you into all truth. Folks, if we just do religious activity and we do not abide in the vine through the blood of Jesus and his sacrifice and the Holy Spirit, our lives are not gonna bear the fruit that God desires. He loves you. He, make no mistake about it, he is 
wildly crazy in love with each and every one of us. But he desires fruit. He's coming back. And he's coming for fruit. And the question is, will there be fruit on your life? If fruit isn't forced, then I've come to the decision that if I just remain in him, not perfect, but if I stay connected, if I create space, if I invite the Holy Spirit, if I engage in conversation, if I do the things that I know I should do, there's a lot of other Dan's that I could possibly meet and love and encourage and bless. And, and if you just lived your life every single day and you, you said, you know what? When I go to work, when I'm driving in my vehicle, when I'm going to that ball game, when I'm hanging out, God is with me. The Holy Spirit is with me, so who can I encourage? Who can I share my story with? Who can I just do a practical deed of, of, of just something to help someone that might not speak with words but with actions that, man, wow, that was really nice of that person and God could use that? Let me just present something to us this morning and I'm gonna pray. God never intended for you to get saved and then pull into the parking lot of religion and compartmentalize your life. He intended for you and I to have eternal life. That is not a destination. That's not number of days. That is to know him and to know the one he sent so that we would have an intimate relationship with him. And as a result of that, we would bear fruit because that glorifies God. Let's pray this morning. Father, I... I pray for each and every one of us, God, today and those of you who are watching online. Lord, I pray that if we are walking in this abiding lifestyle, Lord, that we would continue to do so because that's where really life is found. That's where joy is found. That's where peace is found. It's not in a substance. It's not in something we can try to put into our lives. It's you, Jesus. And if we're connected to you, then we're gonna know you. But also, Lord, we're gonna bear fruit. But maybe you're here today and you're like, you know what, I need to create space. I need to ha start the conversation. I need to engage in spiritual disciplines and I need to invite the Holy Spirit to work more actively in my life. You can do that today. You can start today. And if that's you, I want you to just to say in your own heart with me, Jesus, I desire to live the abiding life. I desire to know you. I desire to walk with you. I want to bear fruit in my life because I know that brings you glory. Help me to create space. Help me to start the conversation and give me the desire to do the things that I know I need to do so that it will develop in me the things that I say I want. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God a hand this morning. I'm gonna invite the ushers to come down. And as always, as they begin to pass out the containers, many of you give online like I do. And so I just wanna thank you for being a generous church because the VBSs and, and the camps and the retreats and all the things that we are able to do, ushers, you can start passing them for our next gen uh, departments and your sons and your daughters. Um, being a generous church, is, it helps us to do that. So thank you and be blessed as you give. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.